Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris. This episode is going to be based on some more listener feedback. I've gotten a lot more feedback in regards to kind of honing some information that was done before in regards to widowhood. And some of the feedback that was given was, what are some of the things immediately that a widow should do after the death of a spouse? And I'm going to give you some tips based on my working with other clients and um, some things that I've found uh, through some attorneys as well. I'm also going to expand that information in regards to tips that could be applied to the death of any close family member. Immediately after a death, what are some steps or some things that should be looked for or taken care of immediately after a death? Well, I'm going to say, first and foremost, take care of yourself. Make sure that you have the right resources in place to just get hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. There are some things that are going to need to be taken care of immediately. And I, you know, unfortunately went through these things with my folks. So you're going to need to uh, look at handling all the arrangements for funeral and final disposition. It, this is not a very comfortable process, and it's very overwhelming. I would recommend taking a friend or a close family member with you to kind of ease the burden in all the decision making. The next step is to obtain certified copies of death certificates. I usually recommend... Uh, probably 10 to 15 uh, at a minimum. What you don't have to do is go back if you need them at a later date. I usually recommend getting some with and without the cause of death. I've found that some institutions that you need to supply them won't necessarily require the um, cause of death. Some will. Insurance companies will require cause of death. And I would also locate the will of the deceased and contact your state planning attorney, your CPA, and your financial planner. I would start that process probably earlier than later. I can tell you generally, I am probably the first point of contact with my clients. And I am the first point of contact because I've developed a team around my folks And then I contact all the other pertinent uh, individuals that are on the team. So I alleviate that process from my clients and that burden. And that's something I would also recommend for uh, any financial planners that are listening. Know the entire team that surrounds your client. And again, the first part was immediately after the death. You're going to be so, or or the individual that you're working with is going to be so overwhelmed and they're going to have a brain fog. So I recommend doing as little as possible, but getting the basics done. Within about 30 days, and I would say 30 to 60 days, uh, this is where some of the more time-sensitive things are going to need to be done. And this can be done with the help of your financial planner. 
So you're going to notify insurance companies or your life insurance agent. And again, my clients get with me and I'm the one that gets the paperwork for my clients. And then I'm the one that sends that off and I do all the heavy lifting. Change and or modify beneficiaries if necessary. And again, that falls on my shoulders. I notify my clients what changes they need to make. And most likely that's going to be in any bank accounts or any insurance documentation. And inquire about any current or former employer burial and survivor benefits of the late spouse. That could go a long way with helping with the burden of, you know, planning for um, some of this information for the, the burial or funeral arrangements. And there can be an argument be made that that could be moved up on the list. But again, what I look at in terms of that, I want to have as little on my client's plate as possible. And uh, if that can be eased at a later point and where they can get funds back, you know, we can massage that and I can figure out that information and make, you know, a best uh, recommendation for them. Pay special attention prior to paying any bills due to fraud. And unfortunately, after the death of a spouse, there is fraud that periodically happens. And I'll go into some recommendations in regards to kind of how to stop the fraud, so to speak, as well, or, you know, uproot that before it happens. Again, notify financial planner, financial advisor, if if you've not already done that. And cancel the deceased driver's license. That is important uh, in fraud. And then I could take that a step further. I want to make sure that you notify the credit bureaus that the person is deceased. You also want to notify the Social Security Administration of death. So no one's trying to claim any benefits on behalf of the deceased spouse. Be receptive. I I always say this. Be receptive to folks wanting to help you, whether it would be with food, help around the house, shopping, you know, doing the yard or anything. I, in my situation, I wasn't as receptive because I wanted to just take care of everything. But that got to a point where I was so overwhelmed and people were just bringing me food left and right. And it just made it so, so much easier. And I didn't have to worry about, you know, this meal or that meal or, you know, If I was going to have to make dinner, it was just there for me. It just made things tremendously easier. The next part, I'm going to break it into basically within 60 days. Notify banks to a change of ownership and tax ID if necessary. Again, I'm going to defer to your financial planner when you're doing that because you don't want to do that, especially if there are checks you're still receiving on behalf of your spouse. You're going to want to have a place to deposit those. So I say that with a grain of salt and I defer to your financial planner. You want to also take note of any FDIC limitations. You want to make sure you don't have too much cash in the bank. If you are able to get to that limit, I'll defer to FDIC.gov for those limits. The limits have been expanded in the last several years to where you can have more money in one institution and inquire about any pending loans, installment loans, credit cards, mortgages, Review who has the authority to enter and make changes with regard to safety deposit boxes. So you want to make sure that there's no frivolous activity going on where somebody's trying to enter in a safety deposit box. You want to make some updates as necessary. And 
overwhelmingly, I would say in regards to kind of these timelines, they're loose timelines, but it's some things that I've enacted with my clients and I found to work. You want to make sure overwhelmingly you are not making any irrevocable decisions. I'm going to give you an example of an irrevocable decision that I had uh, to make when both of my folks passed away. And I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast. So my parents passed away at the bottom of the market, uh, real estate market, the stock market, all of the above in 2008. And so I and my wife owned their house and I had a decision to make whether I keep the house or whether I rent it. Well, selling the house at the bottom of the real estate market would have been a foolish financial decision, which one I did not do. I did not decide to sell the house. I decided to rent the house. Well, if I sold it to that time, again, that would have been an irrevocable decision. If I sold it, I couldn't go back and say, well, I want the house back. And I would have taken a loss on the house at the time. And so those are some of the decisions that I say stay away from. Don't make an irrevocable decision. That decision, I could have made that decision six months later when I was, you know, clear headed, so to speak, if, you know, I I wasn't surrounded by good people, even though I was a financial person to make the right decision. And so I didn't sell, sell the house at that time. I kept the house and rented it out. But those are some of the decisions that you don't want to make in a time of emotion. And in that time of emotion, for me, because I didn't want to have anything to do with the house anymore, I could have just unloaded it. But it would have been a bad decision. And again, it would have been irrevocable. So that's something, again, I would lean on your financial planner to help you out with. And we've covered pretty much everything else in regards to some immediate timelines I do have access and um, I've kind of posted some of these things specifically for financial planners in regards to specifically helping out with their clients in regards to timelines. I have some very specific and detailed timelines for advisors. And that is in regard to my training for advisors. The training is called the Advisor's Guide for Grieving Clients. And it's located on my consulting site, which is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. Again, it's lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. I want to say thank you to my listeners. And if you have any things you want to hear on any future podcasts, please let me know. I'd love to hear them, research them, learn about them, ask some of my colleagues and or friends. And please also sign up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to podcast. Thanks again for listening. See you on the next episode. Please feel free to pass this on to a friend or a family member. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you are a client and are looking to work directly with me, Chris, and or my firm, head on over to Life After Grief, FP, that is Life after grief fp the fp is for financial planning.com if you are an advisor looking to emotionally and financially work with your client in grief or if you are a client looking to get your advisor's head in the game head on over to lifeaftergriefconsulting.com that is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com any information referenced in this week's podcast will be located here in the podcast section and as always Please feel free to share this week's podcast with any friend, family member, or colleague. 
Thanks for listening. See you next week on the next episode.